Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of the Sport Kite podcast, where we'll be talking about any and all things Sport Kite related. Over the next episodes, we hope to talk about everything from how to set up your first Sport Kite to more advanced stuff like how to tweak your trick flying and kind of a little bit of everything in between. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of SportKite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. This is the last part of our initial four-part conversation talking about sport kite flying and progression, and in this one, Paul DeBacher, Hunter Brown, John McCracken, Devin Coblay-Morrison, and Zach Gordon delve into imagining what a new sport kite competition would look like. Devin kicks it off with some insight into perhaps why sport kite competition has declined in popularity over the last decade. Zach breaks down what would make or break competition regarding spectators, and Hunter, as the guy who never competed, suggests real-time scoring and drama are critical. Paul adds some historical perspective from Tricks Party style format, and then I chime in with some of my experience training for an ultra trail race. John then guides the conversation into some of the infrastructure changes he sees are needed. Ultimately, we all agree that the future ahead may come from events like a sport kite camp free form, free flowing, and exchanging of thoughts. Let's get started. If we were to kind of reimagine kite competition going forward, what would be the critical things for us to look at right now? Like, I mean, we can get rid of all the infrastructure. We can get rid of everything. We start over again. What would be important to have in sport kite competition you need the people first yep and you also need the people that have done it and people that are just good flyers like mm-hmm. whatever i know we're not supposed to like get super in depth but like we need to be better we don't need to be better flyers granted i guess we all do right but like like for me like one of my end goals when i'm flying i, I fly so many kites and I externally process so many things that like when I teach someone who is flying a kite that I'm kind of sort of familiar with, like I want to know what that kite's doing and like how to connect with this person after talking with them for a little bit. What kind of learner are they? What kind of, you know, how do they respond to different things? Um, And I think when it comes down to it, like we, the people on the, the, the end that have been around for a while, we, need to kind of rethink our activity and how we contribute. It's not a matter of how much, but how. Um, And also encourage the people that are climbing this this technologically driven strange thing to do the same. Like we need to teach them to teach, not only other people, but themselves. So for competition, this might get a little shady, but hopefully you guys know me well enough to like know that I'm not actually trying to be super mean. You're shade. I don't want to see the same thing over and over again. I'm so sick of it. I, I flew for, I flew in competition and I'd always joked saying that I, I flew out of obligation to show the AKA that there were still numbers. The amount of times I saw the same crap over and over again, I didn't even watch anymore. I didn't even, like, at this point, this is going to sound god-awful, and I'm so sorry. I didn't even, like, categorize, like, kite flyer and whatever was happening is the same thing. Like, 
Kite Flyer and Circus Monkey were the two categories in my head. And I was like, wow, we're going to the same show over and over again. And this is precision. Wow. Okay. And it got to the point of me thinking, like, what else can we do? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, com- it comes down to application. Like, you're, you're really awesome at doing these things. That's great. Throw out precision. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. how do you fly? <laughs> like, ah! Like, uh, I think if we're, if you, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, if we're talking about, like, starting over a competition, right? Or how do we make it more interesting or whatever? First, we do need people that want to do it. Second, I think it needs to be more interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. You have these large festivals um, where a lot of people come out to watch this event, which builds the sport, grows the sport, makes people aware of what's happening. There's no, as much as I love precision, and I think it does make you a better flyer, we're not out there doing precision figures. No one would watch that. You know, it's, I don't know if it's really needed. I mean, again, I think being able to fight fly precisely is incredibly important. And I kind of built my whole competitive nature off of that. It's just not fun to watch. So if you take competition and kind of treat it more like a festival where you have flyers performing their ballet and that's it, I don't know. That would be way cooler. I think like just make it feel more like a, like a kite fest and not a competition but you could include the competition with all the performances. I think cater, you need to cater to the flyer, but also I think you really need to cater to the spectator because otherwise the sport just won't, it won't grow if you're not getting new people involved. Insert where we are now. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so think about it too, like think about it from, this is going to sound really strange, but from like a figure skating perspective, right? Like when they're out doing their routines, they have all of their basics built into that routine. They're not having a completely separate competition to prove they can skate backwards. Yep. Right. So, so if I can get on my soapbox about competition for just a moment, as the guy who never competed. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, I mean, I have felt like for years, I mean, sure, we need the people to compete. We got that. Um, but we need the spectators. And then how do you get the spectators what makes it interesting to watch any form of competition out there, whether it be golf, figure skating, surfing, whatever it is, um, uh, is a couple things for one. Uh, I think you need, um, I think you need real time scoring. I mean, scoring after yeah. the, after the competitor's done, you know, yeah. the judges tally their stuff and it gets shown. You know, don't, don't leave it to wonder because then the crowd has no sense of where they're at. Um, you need, you need drama, which comes along with storyline. And this is hard, and I'm not saying that these are easy things to accomplish, but ideally you need an announcer or announcers um, who know a backstory about a rivalry between two flyers or what has happened at previous events and things like that so that 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 can be punched in. And now you're wondering, like, how's Paul going to do against Zach? Because they've been rivaling back and forth all along, and it creates drama and it creates story, just like we've talked about in the videos out there that, you know, um, whether it be vlogging or whatever, it's all about story. Same thing goes in competition. You know, when you're watching a surf competition, those announcers are talking and talking, and they're they're talking about what's occurred. And then even sometimes it's just a personal struggle that this person has overcome in order to get to this point and be competing. Um, all those kinds of things. I mean, I think you need that. And I'm not saying that's not easy. I mean, you have to have people mm-hmm. that can talk fluently, can fill time, and um, there has to be some work done 
in order to know those stories and know some stats and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that if done right, a, an event could be picked out to be a proof of concept kind of event where the right stuff is put in and with the right structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be done and shown. And I think that that becomes appealing then to an audience. And I think that's who you've got to appeal to. Mm-hmm. I have an idea. Like, so I don't know. I have no idea how this would actually work. But like you look at golf, for example, or any any sport, figure skating, there are announcers talking in real time about what's happening. With figure skating, I would have no idea if what they just did was challenging or not. Mm-hmm. But because the announcers are like, oh, man, that was the coolest flippity flop ever. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know figure skating. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. I, I don't know when I would be impressed. I mean, I'd be impressed the whole time because it's it's awesome. But well, I don't know how that would work with kiting. But have a set routine in place where the, like, the person that's, you know, the judges or the spectators know, all right, yeah, here comes the cascade. And if I nail it, cool. If I mess it up, everyone's going to know that I flaked on the cascade or something. I I don't know. That, that was the format of Tricks Party flying in a way. Yep. You've got your three uh, uh, build in, or what was it? I forget. The last Trick Party for me was 2006. But uh, it was you get your build in compulsory tricks and, and, and build in your ballet, your, your musical routine around it. Mm-hmm. And there were measuring, there were objective is a, is a hard thing to say in, in a judged sport, but there were, uh, there were objective measuring points for, for judges to look for. And it made it made judging, or that was at least the plan. It made judging easier, and and but that could hook completely into the announcers' uh, deal as well, because they mm-hmm. too now uh, know that that we're looking for that that axle cascade or the backspin cascade or whatever trick sequence, mm-hmm. and and yeah, uh, I think <laughs> there's always been from from the kiters. This has been talked about before, right? And and from the kiter's perspective, there's always been well, well, we don't want the announcer to be yapping through my routine, uh, a because I'm getting distracted, and b uh, because the judges are getting uh, influenced by it potentially. Um, so there is a counterpoint to having a real time announcing situation going. Not saying I'm agreeing with it. I'm just saying that's that's been brought up in the past about that. I mean, definitely, I I wouldn't want it in its current state if I was flying, and then. Like fly my routine, in, like incredibly focused in a competition setting, and then like I miss something, and then the announcer's like, "Oh, and he's crashed or whatever." It's like I would, I would have that. Damn it! Like, of course, that. Really... How is he going to recover from this? <laughs> yeah. So I think in its current system, it wouldn't work. If there was a way, I don't know. I don't know how it would happen, but if there was a way to have it separated. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what you're kind of referring to there is almost, it's almost like uh, watching something on TV or a you live stream need, need, versus, TV. So, yeah. again, that surf competition, they've got an announcer on the beach who's doing announcing, and then they've got the guys doing the live stream, uh, you know, right. which the surfers can't hear. Um, but to your, to your point, even going back to what Paul said earlier about what competition did for him and pushing him to you know, you know, some of the, the uncomfortable moments that you're put in from competition, having to switch lines at the last moment. I mean, whether it be from a live stream standpoint or in person, 
I mean, think about the drama that you can create there. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, folks, we just had a wind change. You may not realize it, but Paul, who's got to get up here in one minute, he, you see him over there? He's running around. You know, he's just changed lines. He's changed kites. Yeah. Last minute, he's having to retrain his mind. as to like, here's what I've got to do. The wind just shifted from here to here. I mean, that drama that can be created, that mm-hmm. story, you know, it, it can be much more engaging than when, when the crowd knows that that's happening. You know what? I feel like there's a does? lot you can do before you actually reach the point of live commentary, like yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. You know? yeah. Although live commentary would be kind of cool. Well, (laughs) there's another facet that's really important in all of this, right? Like, it actually kind of goes back to Zach's point about going to where people are, right? To, like, check in, if you will. First of all, when we're performing anything, I mean, Nick, you just did this huge, like, triathlon, marathon, scary, long-distance everything a thing. Did you have to go through like a bunch of like mental toughness training to figure out how to focus in and like deliver for the ultra marathon or the the trail running race I did? Yes. Uh, well, so funny on that one because that fell right in the middle of COVID. I did it all by myself, and there was a lot of the the support system that's there for most trail runs uh, wasn't there. I had Paul which was awesome. And he was very good at getting me back out the door, but um, when I wanted to stop, but yeah, there is, there is a lot of mental training that goes into it ahead of time. Right. So there's the physical training of, I have to go, I have to run, I have to consistently train before doing it. But then there's, you know, there's the inner demons while you're out there in a shitty spot. Right. And I want, I want to quit, but I keep going and I keep doing that. And I, I'm on a roller derby team and I, I shared that journey with my roller derby team um, in a private group. And like, they really got into it. People who had never thought about trail running are sitting there like, wow, man, you know, they're not focused on the end result or how well I did, which I did not do well, but I finished it was the point. They really bought into the drama of me sharing like, man, my knees are killing me on mile 30. I just want to die right now. And yeah. Right. So like there's a huge part of a lot of this. I mean, Zach, you've probably had to be, you've probably been faced with it a bunch too. Like in the performing arts, anything that involves a performance. I mean, Nick, you did a TED talk too. Like they taught you how to dial in and deliver. There's a lot of training that goes into anything performance oriented that is mental toughness and being able to sever these extraneous things, whether that's a real time narrator or whatever you'd call this person announcer mm-hmm. off and being able to sit down, frankly, STFU and deliver. Now what that does that I think we're kind of all alluding to is it holds us accountable to a different part of performing, maybe something that we've kind of gone away from, Furthermore, if this is being judged, it holds every freaking person behind you accountable to know everything that a sport kite can do. The amount of judges right now that have absolutely no... I remember I got DQ'd when I was facing Zach one day because I did a K2000 or K200, depending on where you come from, and it was a crash. (laughs) Yeah, right? I looked right at insert judges... And that was the last competition I ever did. I laughed right in their face. I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Sent them a tricks party link too. 
<laughs> like, no response. Like, and then that that was when I knew we had gone. It, it, there was no hope. And like that, you you've got to like think like right. Not only are you holding yourself accountable in a different way as a performer, you are holding everyone else. You have an obligation to hold everyone else that much more accountable for staying up to date and furthermore being able to process it. And lastly, same thing with the announcer, they've got to know everything too. And ultimately, we have to know that we are more than just flyers. You have to know the history, the friendships, like, you know, the, the stuff, right? That happens outside of the field, which ultimately just boils down to being interested in other people, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, which is not a thing that's really happening. <laughs> um, I think super good points. If if you are uh, if that that format consists of, of of something for audience, live scoring, live narrated, uh, yeah, the judges need to be <laughs> not just the flyers need to be retrained. The judges need to be trained. Yep. Well, couldn't we like? I, mean, I think there is a lot of um, correlation between like disc golf and kiting. You know that disc golf has really kind of exploded over the last couple of years. And now they've been on, like, they were on ESPN a couple of weeks ago, like one of their um, tournaments. And have, I think what could be interesting is doing a YouTube, you know, series, getting a production company to video the competitions mm-hmm. and then post it on YouTube with the live commentary on YouTube from flyers that are pros and know what they're talking about they can commentate live it doesn't matter how many people are actually at the event like spectator wise you could have the competition throw it up on youtube you have the music there it could all be a nice production i don't know i mean i think something like that could be really interesting and then you could have fans that then follow along the you know their favorite competitor or flyer or something like that Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, think about it from a different way too. Like, who's to say that it has to be your best, you know, three and a half minutes that day? Like, look at it from if you go into extreme sports with snowboarding, skateboarding, they're doing best two or three runs, or you know, a, mm-hmm. an accumulative count of stuff. Like, if you look at street league skateboarding, they kind of, I guess it was five or six years ago, they completely changed the way that skateboard competitions were done. And immediate live scoring, like literally last trick in the in the run is landed, scores are out, and and you can you're jockeying for a position within the field, and it's it's a lot more competitive, it's a lot more fun to watch because people are going to try things they normally wouldn't, you know, you're going to get some more difficulty out of it, and there's going to be some more excitement out of it, but you know, just doing one routine for you know three to five minutes is kind of old. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't really show consistency either. It shows you can do this one thing for five minutes. Yeah. Oh, it also it doesn't fill the program either for that matter. So that's a no. great reason to, yeah. if you have 10 flyers, now you have 30 flyers. If you have three rounds, you have Correct. an event. Yeah. That's a, John, what were we talking about a couple weeks ago? Like the, like there's a very drastic distinction between luck and technique. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more you practice, the luckier you get. Yeah. Like, how you apply it <laughs> throughout 
various periods in various different conditions, even if that means free flying. I mean, there you go. Like, you're not applying the same thing you're doing over and over again. Like, plus it's also a little bit more exciting to kind of break free of this this mold, archaic mm-hmm. mold almost, if you will, in kite years. Um, I don't know. None of none of this I think has been talked about in this respect out of anything that I've seen so far. So this is pretty Gucci. I mean, we we tried, right? We tried in what was that first week of August? Yeah, when there was that call that went nowhere. That Hunter, I think you were on. Oh, yes, <laughs> I remember what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I was in a car on the way to Denver, so it was it was a painful car ride. But I mean, nothing came of that call to my knowledge. We've you know been more constructive in the last ten minutes than that two hour call was. Oh, there, God. I don't know. I mean, does there need to be in the competitive side of things? since I was never in it, does there need to be a change of guard? A change of what? Change of guard from, you know, the, you know, does it, uh, there's no way to say it and not be rude. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, right, there's one section of, of competitions here that basically the AKA puts on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we diversify that? How do we make that different? Do, you know, committees and boards and all that, do those need a flat-out facelift? I don't know. Is that even relevant to what we're talking about right now? Probably not. I mean, ultimately, there's a lot to be... I mean, if we're just talking about, like, committees and this and that and the other, I mean, that's tough because... You know, who makes the call on who deserves to judge, right? Like, who who is the Queen Elizabeth of kiting, if you will? Um, is that the Queen of England still? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, I was about to be like, oh, shit, I hope I got her name right. Um, but, you know, that's tough. But ultimately, like, the phrase, the proof is in the pudding, is right. Like, you know, like. If, if someone said Chris Goff shouldn't be judging, I'd punch well, him in the face. <laughs> like, I would go right in the eye socket with a nitro. Like, are you kidding me? But, like, you know, I mean, that might have been a little graphic. But, like, if, you know, I mean, if, if someone's beginning and, you know, they shadow judge for five minutes, yeah, no, probably not a good judge. But, like, I don't think this new form or whatever this is, if you will, like necessarily needs this like quote unquote higher power right now because we don't have the people. Yeah. Um, it could maybe start as, yeah. Okay. I'll be an ass. It'll, it's going to, it, maybe it could start as, remember the whole like flyers debrief thing at the end of every competition that like absolutely means nothing. It's like, cool, we had hard wins. Good job, everyone. Like, that doesn't help. Um, But, like, if we could turn that into some kind of, I think Hunter actually touched on it a couple months ago, like some kind of round table or, like, ways for everyone to sit down and collaborate, great. I don't think it needs to be run by anything wacky. Everyone's there to learn. Like what Zach said, they're there to be around other people and, like, Mm -hmm. check in. You know, like, if we can start to like solidify that, maybe at sport kite camp, like, 
you know, see how it goes. Whatever. If that, if, if you need judges and people want judges, great. Let's make them the people that get asked the most questions for now. And that way it's completely, it's not dirty, if you will. Yeah, not if people are. Yeah, if people are asking you a bunch of questions, they want to know your input. There's no difference than talking to this person. Well, there isn't really much of one. Talking one-on-one and flying it out versus like having one person fly and having that person they're asking be 20 feet behind them. Mm-hmm. The only difference is you might not be able to see them and there might be music, in which case there's music anyway. <laughs> like, I think ultimately it just it, we, we just need the, the distinction between this archaic form and this is, fo- I think, focusing on the general aspect of like respect for each other, not only on the kite field, but off. And ultimately the respect for the <clears throat> big Broadway sign, progressing sport, Broadway sign off. Um, like, I don't know. Maybe that's not very specific. I think we can relatively easily and simply agree on a, on a grassroots type competition should there be a want or a need for it. Um, in my opinion, it would be completely unconnected to any existing competition organizing body or format. Correct. Like there's not really yeah. a whole ton riding on it. You're asking other people for feedback. You're going to get it whether you like it or not. And it's a check-in. Whether you want to compare it to other people or not, or compare it to yourself or your fundamentals or how you are under the gun, whatever. Like it's a friendly check-in. <laughs> No, I, I, I'd like that. I'd very much support that too. Um, uh, it still all comes back to who's going to fly in it. We still have to first yeah. generate people that 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 would even be halfway interested in something like that. So, um, so to that, to kind of that point, I mean, I mean, I think you could create an event, whether it be. You know, um, tacked on to another existing festival where you already have some spectators. I guess that'd be the ideal thing, but um, do it as the first one or whatever. Do it as a, a proof of concept, and it's like almost like an invitational. You're picking a certain handful of flyers to be the ones to fly in it. You're going to handpick some judges. You're going to give, and, and you're going to handpick some uh, a couple of announcers, um, and then someone's got to set up the the work behind the scenes of like here's some storylines for the announcers to talk about. They need storylines. Here's the background for them to talk about, um, and that kind of thing. And then do that in a, hey, in an ideal world, if you could, yes, have some of that film that could be put together into a um, something that could be shared afterwards with kind of that, we'll call it post-production, you know, post kind of thing. All right, it's been filmed. Now we can insert like video, quick video interviews with a flyer right before they're they're going on the field into it. And if someone sees those kinds of things, now maybe that starts to make them interested. Like, that was cool. I'd like to do that one day. Let me go buy one of these kites, and, you know, because it becomes a neat thing to then, then do it on. And so maybe that's a starting point is like doing a proof of concept invitational type event tagged on. And then, hey, if you know you're going to be able to do something where you're recording it and then doing some kind of, you know, pulled together, professionally done video afterwards, 
maybe then you can get some sponsorships of some kind that helps get you a little bit of money to pay for some of this and, and potentially have a little bit of money or something for the, the winner. Yep. Hunter, you're always like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say this is exactly what, what's been talked about in this household as well for, for a number of years. It still yep. goes back to quality of flyers and, and, and having, or does it? Is there enough quality of flyer out there to, to put out a, a product, if you will, or do we still need to first have more better flyers? Well, what if there's like a middle ground? So what if we like did what Hunter's saying? Maybe opened it up just a smidge. And instead of doing judging per se, treated it maybe like we would treat an art show, which sounds maybe a little stuffy. Um, but like, so there's something on display, right? And instead of the judges judging you, say, this is what I saw. What if we opened it up more? Because again, this is like trial and error, right? And this is another way to to externally process and also educate not only ourselves, but other people and have other people educate us. What if we opened it up to like, this is what I saw. This is what I thought could be better. Why? And then have the flyer say like, okay, well, this is what I was trying to do. Yes, I think this is what could be better. This, it may, like maybe it comes back down to this K200-2000 incident. That's actually a trick let me move you in this direction. So there actually is maybe a little bit of intermingling at the beginning, right? Because we do have this huge chasm between like people that have been around for a while that are just like, I don't want to deal with it. And then we have the really hungry ones that will jump at anything. So maybe starting it from such like a steadfast point isn't the answer, but maybe it is starting it. Yes. But like, again, intermingling, um, yeah, because I think otherwise, if, if we do, if, well, if we don't do something like that, I, I worry that we might make this chasm bigger at the end of the day. I think an event like, and, and this is where I personally, and I just said this to Nick as well the other day, I, I haven't been interested in competition for, for, for quite some time, um, both for internal as well as external reasons, I suppose. Um, uh, by that, I mean me as a person might have changed a little bit, but the external reasons are the the, the quality of, of opposition isn't necessarily, the quality of competition isn't necessarily there anymore. I don't want to be bothered with the infrastructure anymore. I've got, I've got <laughs> better things to do with my time, if you will. Uh, and I did not mean to sound like an ass, but that's, that's essentially the emotion behind that. Um, uh, that doesn't mean I'm not very competitive and that I couldn't be enticed into it given the right and, and, and lean format uh, at some point. Um, but what I'm mostly interested in at this point is, is and, and of course, it's it's COVID era, so so we, we can't have those nice things. But that is that, is that mix of experienced flyers and, and, and inexperienced flyers, the hungry flyers, if you will, and having them all on the flying field together and and have i can't wait for kite, a kite camp a a that is that is what i'm waiting for mm -hmm. I, I mean we're gonna do it but we're it's it's gonna have to make sense from a covid perspective yeah just lost a year no it makes sense like that's where i'm seeing it at this point is is get those people together and and it seems like they're all saying the same thing too where we're walking into a wall um it's difficult to to explain 
motor skills over over internet over over the various facebook groups i mean to learn an excel man i i remember learning an excel it was the most difficult thing i've ever done from in with a sport guide <laughs> to learn that that first excel people now are still in that same in that same boat in a way that was that a huge it, threshold for me it was and then when 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 that first axle was was when motor uh, that muscle memory was was instilled in me that opened the door to this whole big room of of new stuff that i could now learn uh in my case it was the axle. Mm -hmm. i'm sure it's 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 other things for other people but i'm convinced that the best way to do it is 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 mixing those experienced flyers Mm -hmm. on the beach with, with the hungry ones that's what i can't wait for and i can see it as the only way to true it truly uh, uh generate that new group of kite flyers sport kite flyers yeah. stunt kite flyers yeah so we paul <laughs> if i get what you're saying you want to build the community first and go from here yeah i i don't I can see it both ways, right? I can I can can see a a competition type event or a demo type event as a very interesting thing to to watch and 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 have it used as a marketing tool for for drawing in new new flyers. I don't know. It's a chicken and an egg story, I suppose. Yep. I think it'd and be I cool mean, to kind of try and do it concurrently. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You but, know, because like, how do you build the community? Well, we need to advertise what this is, get people excited about it, you know? And for me, that was competition. That's why I wanted to get better at it, but we don't have a lot of flyers that are necessarily interested in competition. So how do you get the people there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, also there's this, this almost gift slash curse relationship of like, I, I hate to preach on equipment, but like, the trick kites these days, maybe not so much in the U.S., there are way more ways to execute said tricks on these kites than there were when, like, Paul and Zach and I started flying in Hunter. Like, some of those kites... I mean, learning how to, like, cascade a super flat kite in high wind was pretty unforgiving these yeah. days. In some cases, these days, you can drop a brick on a line and do an axle. I would know. I've done it. I've actually dropped a brick on a line, and the kite has done an axle. <laughs> Not me. Someone else dropped a brick on the line, um, which is where that comes from. But I make up stupid phrases, so I tried it out. Um, so You can keep that one in the pocket. <laughs> but, like, so in an essence, right, like, there, there is there's this kind of gift of instant gratification, but it's also like our, our greatest downfall sometimes. And I think it's also harder for us as the people that did start on things that were maybe a little less forgiving to relate to that sometimes because we, we quite literally grew up in a different era. So learning us learning to tap into that and them learning to tap in to these very kind of ruthless, almost fundamentals, maybe mostly out of ignorance, like is really hard to navigate <laughs> when you're teaching someone over Facebook. Right. But ultimately the, the trick world, the team world, the design world is, is always progressing and they don't have as many skills slash tools as we do. Right. Just based off of time. So like it, it's kind of on us to, find a tool that we don't have and tap into like this broad, but also new realm 
to kind of learn how to empathize and also teach these people and then bring that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, ultimately that just builds the community, which is like what Paul's talking about. Like you see stuff on Facebook and you've got people throwing this and that and the other at this poor person trying to fly in light wind. But like at the end of the day for us, we started on flat sails. Things were much lighter. I mean, we, this was before like tail weight. Some of us before, Oh my God, I don't even know. Paul, did you even, did you start flying before standoffs were even around? <laughs> Under it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say uh, bamboo and papyrus, but um, <laughs> you're right. My first kite was a, was a speed wing. So uh, no standoff on that thing. It's, <laughs> I think standoffs were just there, but no, you're, you're correct. It was, it was right around that time. If it's, yeah yeah this this is hard like because there aren't a lot of people that have learned how to fly that are, that are frankly really good like really good recently that can tap into the experiences and frankly the obstacles that are be, that the beginners are being faced with so i mean ultimately that does come down to us trying a bunch of different kites too because then we're about as new as it comes and we look like idiots which is pretty much why we fly kites anyway. Um, but like, I don't know, like this is, this is tough, but I think that that's a big thing that I think everyone kind of leaves out when it comes to building said community, which then could be emphasized in sport kite camp. And then, you know, we can throw this into competition format. I think this was maybe a little off topic, so I'll stop, but I did think it was worth noting. You did stop. You, that was abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, Congrats. I feel like I'm never like, like coherent with my thoughts, so I just babble, and then it's just like it's worse. Sorry, Evan, babble? No way. Fuck off, John. Don't <laughs> <laughs> bleep that one out, I guess. <laughs> Please. Uh, I think I think we've talked enough about competition. Yeah. Yeah. Might have to Cats edit that down a little bit. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sport Kite Podcast. We hope to be bringing you something new every week. Like next week, we'll be starting a different series of discussions. Don't forget to find sportkite.org on Facebook and give it a like and a follow. And check out the website, sportkite.org, and watch this resource grow. If you have any questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at info at or drop us a line on Facebook. By the way, if you like what you've heard here and like to see it continue, consider becoming a supporter. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash sportkite. Thank you for listening. Till next time.